the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $10 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big and win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WINNBet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. Get mountain cold refreshment delivered straight to your door via Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash SGP. That's CoorsLight.com slash SGP. And next, we're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head on over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. And finally, we're also brought to you by StableDuel. StableDuel is horse racing daily fantasy sports app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $40,000 with just one entry. Head on over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And in honor of the Masters, we are giving away a tailor-made driver. Just go to sg.pn slash masters. That's sg.pn slash masters. Or click the contest link right in the SGPN app. Howdy ho, DeGenerinos. Welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Episode 131. Uh, let's send this one out to my Phoenix Suns, who last night uh, set the franchise record for most wins in a season, and in the process, they eliminated the Lakers out of, out of any playoff contention this year, which is fantastic. So good job, boys. Good job. All the way to the title this year, onwards and upwards. But this isn't a Phoenix Suns podcast, at least not at this point. Sometimes it, it devolves into that. Um, this isn't, uh, as the title says, this is an MMA gambling podcast. So we bring you exactly what it says on the tin is what you get. Uh, just a couple of degens giving you some degen picks for your degen ear holes. So, or wherever you stick our podcast. So um, this week we got a pay-per-view, which is always good. Always good news. Um, some interesting underdog picks I, I stumbled across too. Um, we'll have to see if my, my host is uh, is on the same page or not. Hopefully he's not, at least for some of them, so we can uh, we have have some fun come fight night. Uh, who am I, you might be asking. I am the Korean Zombie, Jeff Fox, the host <laughs> of this year's podcast. Um, perhaps you, you've heard of me before. Uh, Dana White used to wear a shirt uh, with my nickname on it all the time. So uh, thank you for coming to the show. Uh, hopefully you're listening to us on our feed, the MMA Gambling Podcast feed. Uh, because then you will get us in your ears basically a day and a half early. Um, you don't go out in the SGPN feed until like Friday morning, and um, all the insiders, all, all the people with the uh, the smart marks are uh, subscribing to our, our MMA gambling podcast feed, and they get us like Wednesday night as soon as we drop it, like it's hot. So there you go. Make sure you subscribe there and throw up some reviews. The Golf Gambling Podcast is getting so many reviews now, it's making us look really, really lame. So put some reviews up. You can you can complain about us being racist like they do with other podcasts on our network. I don't care um, as long as it's uh, Gumby that you're saying is is, is misleading you. Not, maybe not not with the racism, but but with his bad picks. And then by all means, as long as you give us five stars, it, it is all good. So uh, I mentioned that name, Gumby. Uh, he would be the co-host of this podcast. He um, he's still trying to redeem himself from last weekend. I've heard some. I've heard his other podcasts, the Top Turtle MMA podcast and the Prelim Picker podcast. I was going to say, I hope he's uh, prepared to redeem himself this weekend, but um, he's got some wonky ideas about this card that we're going to have to get into. So <laughs> let's bring him on. Hello, Mr. Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. Danny, I mean. 
You you have the vast majority of my picks already if you listen to both of those podcasts. True. However, yeah, I already had mine all picked by then, luckily, so I yeah, didn't right. change any picks. So. All right, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but oh, will, you, you'll hear you have some wacky picks, dude. I will say there's a couple that I um am gonna go a little bit deeper on because as you know, those uh don't give you uh every single pick, and it certainly doesn't give you a good breakdown of every single pick. So that's right. why you always tune in right here to the SGPN exactly. and get all of the good stuff. Exactly, and. This is a highly anticipated episode for some reason. I've had three people, maybe four, reach out to me already about the podcast. Like, uh, mm-hmm. we, ha- we haven't even started. Re- we're just recording it now, obviously, as you hear this. But, yeah, they're asking, when, when are we dropping it? What are our picks going to be? They can't wait to hear our, our, our podcast. So either people are really pumped for this card or, or they just love us. Maybe both. I- I think it's a little bit of the pump for the card. You know, I, I don't mean to, you know, maybe undersell us, but there are a lot of people on this card, a lot of people who are fighting who maybe are not necessarily the top of the top yet, but are, like, very much hyped for one reason or another. You know, yeah. like, you know, obviously Kamzat Chemaev is the one that we're going to talk about the most, but, like, there are other people, too, like Ian Gary who is Ireland's next hope is kind of on this uh, fight card and and exciting in a way, but like kind of up for grabs on exactly what he is. You know, we've talked extensively about like, we still really don't know what Mackenzie Dern's ceiling is. And like, she has been highly hyped since she came to the UFC. So we got her in there. Um, And like further down the card, we have some people who have been fan favorites. Like Kay Hansen is, you know, much loved by the UFC community. Aspen Ladd used to be that person and now is universally hated. And maybe that's, hey, maybe that's good for viewership. Um, you know, Mickey Gall was like a weird prospect, but now he's in his 30s and we don't really still shed that prospect. So like, there's, there's just like... weird. Yeah. Take the prospect out, he's just weird now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many people in there who are... Uh, in one way, shape, or form, just, like, kind of intriguing to even talk about. And and for me, I'll be honest, it, it made this card really hard for me to break down. I, I think there's a lot of close fights in this one and a lot of lines that really have got me scratching my head and not necessarily in a way where I want to dig for that underdog right away, but yeah. it, it's uh, it, it's still, like, the, the lines are, are still kind of wonky. Yeah, no, it's true. I was surprised by a lot of lines. I made my picks fairly quickly, but I'm not... Like, I'm not 100% confident on all of them. I'm not totally locked in. I don't think I'm going to switch any of them. But, um, yeah, like you said, some of the lines are wonky. Um, on paper, according to the bookies, we got nothing but squash matches uh, at the top of the card, at least. At least um, Major odds on uh, high odds in the first, the top three fights of the night. But, yeah, it seems like it is a very uh, card people are pretty amped up for. Um, obviously, two title fights plus the hottest uh, prospect in the sport. Um, and I th- just did a quick count. I think there's nine people on this card who have headlined a UFC event before. So it is it is pretty stacked, even if the odds for, for the the, pre- the premier elite fights at the very top are, are pretty one-sided, uh, predicting one-sided fights. Yeah, and, and yeah, based on my quick scan, you actually might be low on that estimate. Yeah, all right. right? Let's, let's yeah, so, so we've, we've had Volk, obviously, yep. Chance Sung Jung, yep. Aljamain Sterling, Piotr yep. Jan. Yep. Uh, actually, has Aljamain Sterling ever main evented a card? Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. I forgot about the actual main. I'm event. not sure if Aljamain yeah, Sterling has ever main uh, evented a card. Oh, he I'm might have. Our, uh, he might have against uh, Jimmy Rivera. Nope, not Jimmy he's... Rivera. Marlon Marias. 
Was him versus uh, Marlon Marias the headlining? I don't see him headlining. He didn't headline any. No, he didn't headline any. Um, any. Uh, actually, he hasn't headlined. You're right. Wow. That is that is wild. I'm really yeah. glad I called that out. Uh, but yeah, he hasn't. He, he, he was on the poster for UFC 259, but he was not the headliner of that one. Okay, so, so three of right. the people in the title yeah. fights, uh, yeah. not including the champ, Aljamain Sterling. Um, <laughs> Mackenzie Dern is headlined to fight yep. card. Tisha Torres Give is burn. not. Correct? You, you skip Burns, but yes. Uh, Torres oh, is yeah. not, I don't think. Burns has. Okay, Burns has. That's, That's five. Fine. Has Olenek? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to check. Um, Rosenstrike, Tybrera, they both did, right? Yep, so that's up to seven. seven. Aspen Ladd and, and Raquel Olenek. Pennington both have. That's eight and nine. Pennington has, right. Yeah, I forgot about her. Yes. Oh, Olenek did too. So ten, holy moly. Ten. Ten headlines, And that's dude. not... Yeah, I I undercounted and then I I overcounted with Sterling. So wow. So yeah, this is a you could say a very a fairly deep card. Um, even if even if like I said the odds are a little skewed at the top, this is a a very deep card full of you got up and comers, you got uh, veterans that have actually turned things around as of late, like Pennington and who else is someone else has won a bunch in a row. I mean, I we'll, we'll up, until, it, yeah. up until he lost his fight to Alexander Volkov, Martin Tybura had won five in a right, row. Right, yep, yep. Yeah, so anyway, we'll, we'll break all this down uh, soon enough. I'm seeing if there's any news. Well, what we mentioned last card is, is become a uh, – last uh, podcast has become a big story. Uh, PFL has um, getting in a lot of trouble with uh, the odds makers because their contender – their challenger series event was taped. They do not tell – People had it was taped, and a bunch of bets came in, and I, I actually put that rumor out on the SGPN Slack channel that the rumor is it was a tape card, and all the favorites won, and some people took advantage of that, and uh, I guess a lot of uh, odds makers are are mad because they uh, <laughs> they, ended up, they ended up out a lot of money because of the I PFL can't imagine I, why they were bummed about that. <laughs> I know. I, I I hear they're already losing their licenses in a bunch of places, like they're not going to uh, post PFL odds anymore. So, yeah, I mean, very uh, like, very PFL why, why? of them. Why would you? Because first of all, I, I would yes. just say it, it's not like money comes in big on PFL cards. I can't imagine. Only right. if people know the results in advance. And then, right. Then, right. then it does. Right. <laughs> well, in, in that, and I would just say, like, what? The biggest PFL cards are, are the ones that have Kayla Harrison on it. And, and right. you, you can't possibly be taking tons of action on a fighter who's negative 1,200 or negative 1,400. Yep. And also, speaking of absolutely ridiculous odds, so we broke down LFA 128 on Sunday. Since then, yep. they've added one line to that. Uh, Bryce okay. Meredith, who you may not know, but uh, I'm a big fan of Bryce Meredith. He was a wrestler at Wyoming. He trains with, like, Sean O'Malley and Kyler Phillips now down in Arizona. Um, he, I believe he's had one MMA fight so far, but he is, like, a very high-level wrestler. He is going to be making his second fight against kind of a schlub, and he is now posted at negative 2,000. <laughs> What's the biggest line you've ever seen for MMA? I mean, Do you remember? For MMA, negative 2,000 has got to be close. It's, it's up there. Man, I, I don't know. I, I can't off the top of my head recall somebody more than negative 2,000. Because even in, like, Ronda Rousey heyday, yeah. when she was just smashing chicks in, like, six seconds or stuff like that, like, even then she was only posting at, like, negative 850 and negative 900. So, yeah, yeah. negative 2,000 really tells you a lot. It does. It does. Um, So we got that. We also – I don't think a lot of info has been released yet, but um, I'm seeing that UFC is setting up 
eight-man tournaments uh, over in Asia, apparently. Um, did you hear about that? In, like, I did. The, the lower weight classes, 125, 135, 145, 155 maybe? I did um, hear that. It was all, yeah. uh, re- or at least officially reported the first time by JHK, uh, John Hyunko. Uh, yeah. And, and he's a, a pretty reliable source, so I believe everything that I'm seeing there. It seems sort of like they're because they they tried out doing the Ultimate Fighter over there, yeah. right in, in Asia. I, I can't remember if it was Japan or China. I think it was China, right? Yeah, I think um, it was. Yeah, but uh, they tried doing the Ultimate Fighter over there, and I think while the concept is, it, you know, like you you would figure the TV show reality show would still work, it seemed to not do so well. So I almost wonder if this is their alternative to it. Is they're like, okay, maybe you know, Japan, China, Korea is not in on what the ultimate fighter is with all the horseshit. They just want the fights. And, like, you know, like, tournaments are always fun. Maybe they do them in one-night tournaments or stuff like that, and they wind up with, you know, just one contract winner at the end of it all. So uh, it it seems kind of like it is going to be, like, four separate tournaments, and we get four new signees from it. I'm into it. I I think it's a good idea uh, as, as far as, like, if we're going to do something a little bit different from a different region, I feel like that's the thing to do. Yep, for sure. I I would definitely watch it over. I wouldn't be watching The Ultimate Fighter, but I would watch uh, watch tournament uh, for sure. And I think this, uh, the winners of it, I think that gives them a bit more um, respect on their name, as the kids say. I think it gives them a bit more hype behind them than, than winning Ultimate Fighter that no one seems to really care about anymore, too. I care about or at least, or at least different. <laughs> I know, other than you, it, it at least gives them a different a different shine than uh, than the usual thing. So hey, it's worth a try. Um, like uh, and like you said, and I agree. Uh, I'm all for tournaments. So uh, the more, the merrier. So um, any other news you think we need to touch on? Um, Julianne Pena is still. Run in her mouth. Yeah, that's, not, mouth. that's yeah. not news. That's not, that's not news. I just wish <laughs> these things wouldn't get reported. I, I guess I shouldn't be mentioning it either. But, um, yeah, people report it. Like, anytime a fighter says something stupid, it's it's reported as a news story. If you don't report it, no, uh, they'd just be yawned into the void. But regardless, um, anything else uh, that's dumb or not dumb that we should uh, get into? Or should we just jump into making picks for people, Dan? I think we got to get to making picks. All right, let's do this. First, win bet, of course. Make sure you get down... On the win bets, ten dollar win, two hundred dollar promotion. So bet ten. Sorry, I missed the bet part. I said win bet, but it's really make sure you get down on wins. Bet ten dollars, win two hundred dollar promotion. A lot of wins and bets in there for me. So you bet ten, win two hundred. Where a ten dollar bet qualifies you for up to two hundred dollars in free bets. The win has a special golf contest for this weekend. It's the Masters this weekend. Bet $100 plus on golf from Thursday to Sunday, and you'll be entered to win a golf experience to the only golf course on the Las Vegas Strip, Win Golf Club. Multiple entries allowed. If a patron wagers 1000 bucks on the major golf championship Thursday to Sunday, I'm thinking, uh, no, okay, never mind. They are eligible for 10 entries into the prize draw. There you go. Major golf insurance. All users can bet $50 plus on the Masters. I thought they weren't mentioning the Masters for some reason, but there they go. They mentioned it. Uh, if you bet $50 plus on the Masters winner and get their money back up to $25 if they finish in the top three of the tournament. So you bet 50 plus on the Masters winner and you get your money back if they finish in the top three of the tournament. We need a better copywriter here. But anyhow, I think it's the boss that writes this, so hopefully he's not listening. There's so much to choose from. And all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. The bosses don't listen to us, though, do they? They would have taken us off 
ages ago, right? I don't, I don't know. We went enough <laughs> to stay on the network, I think. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I forgot the important part. Ready? This is the must-free part. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbed.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbed is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. That was pretty good, eh? It was fast. <laughs> You, you, it's very good. You you, you sure. picked it up a notch since we started the it's, podcast. It's true. Um, also, while we're on the golf tip, we have a TaylorMade driver giveaway. In honor of the Masters, we're, as in SGPM, are giving away a TaylorMade driver. Just go to sg.pn slash masters or click the contest link in the SGPN app. We thank Daniel Vreeland for buying that driver for for the listeners. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> like everything's coming out of my wallet. It is. Dan's the high roller. But we didn't we reveal that you have two garages for crying out loud? A two car garage? Come on, you're a high roller, dude. It's car, it's called a car hole. A car car hole, right? There you go. Good boy. <laughs> Good boy. All right. UFC 273. The octagon. The lights were dim last weekend with no event we survived and now we're back and it's actually on the road we are in the vi star veterans memorial arena in jacksonville florida this is one of the ufc's um favorite spot come pandemic it's basically houston or or jacksonville basically are the spots that i get the big views at this point um i guess arizona does too a bit but this is where we are this weekend. Saturday, of course, April the 9th. Uh, but six, I've seen 6.15 also listed as the start time, so somewhere around there. Uh, ESPN Plus, um, UFC Fight Pass for the early prelims, and then the main prelims, ESPN, ESPN Plus at 8, all times Eastern, and then the main card on pay-per-view at 10 p.m. Pay-per-view is still a thing, and it's they're actually doing very good on pay-per-view since the pandemic started. So there you go. Who would have thought pay-per-view would still be a thing uh, nowadays, but it is still in MMA. So, all right. We've got five, 13, 13 fights. Yes. 13 fights on the card. Uh, been a lot of shuffling and stuff. We always like to get you set before we actually get into, uh, into the card. Uh, what did we lose? We've lost. Oh yeah. There was a whole bunch of stuff. We had Gastelum, Kevin Gastelum versus Nasruddin Imovov. Dreykus Duplicis versus Chris Curtis and Anthony Hernandez versus Albert Durayev. All those were scheduled. Um, then we had some, we had, who do we have? We lost Curtis and we lost Durayev. So they put Duplicis versus Hernandez. Um, and then we had Gastelum. Um, oh, sorry. Imavov withdrew from Gastelum. So then Duplicis got put to fight against Gasoline. I hope everyone's catching on. So, Dracus Duplicis, this is his third fighter um, for the event that he was set up with Gasoline, and then Gasoline pulled out as well. So, he has no fight. And then we ended and, up And with, his second opponent is still there. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He could have gone back and fought Anthony Hernandez, but they had already yeah. found him Josh Fremd uh, yeah. and didn't want to pull Josh Fremd from the fight or find him another opponent. So, uh, yeah, we wound up taking Driscus Duplicis out of this. Uh, like, not like the, Yeah, I, I mean, who would be, especially because he's from South Africa. So I, I don't know where if he's necessarily training in South Africa, but this is not an easy uh, fight card for him to get to. South Africa, EFC, our favorite promotion, Dan. He did He did fight for that in <laughs> KSW, which is another one we talk about far too uh, much. That's true. But, um, yeah, it's kind of bummer. All, all three of those fights I would have liked to see at the original matchups. But nonetheless... Um, it is what was, it is. I was fading Kelvin Gastelum in each of oh, his yeah. perspective matches. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those almost – he's not quite at the automatic fade point, but but it might he's be – He's close. 
He's yeah, pretty he's, close. He, he's not he's not getting knocked out nonstop, but um, yeah, he, he's getting very close. We also were supposed to have Aspinall versus Irene Aldana or Irene, if you prefer. I would have liked to see that, but um, Aldana fell out, so Raquel Pennington stepped in. Uh, and then the fight we all wanted, our hearts were set on this. Alexi Olenek versus Iler Latifi. We were supposed to have it at what? Was it Columbus or was it the one before that? Was it? Uh, it was. It was Columbus. Columbus, and then it got bumped to this card, and then we lost it. But and we've got an equally weird fight. <laughs> I know. Instead, we have Jared Vandera, who was an interesting fellow when he was on the Top Turtle, right? He was interesting, right? He fought for EFC <laughs> quote, too, despite being American. <laughs> but he was one of those "quote unquote" inter- interesting interviews, I believe, if I he remember was, correctly. He was an odd cat. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he's fighting Alexi Olenek. So there you go. So after all of that, we're an hour into the podcast. Um, after all that uh, shuffling, we have 13 fights. Um, we're back to where I started all that with. So let's let's kick it off. Bantamweights: Julio Arce versus Daniel Santos. Uh, Santos is Wiley Cat. Arce, no nickname. Um, is it Wiley Cat or is it Willie Cat? Oh, oh yeah, I'm, excuse me. Two L's. Willie Cat. I think it's Willie Cat. I don't know yeah. what the hell a Willie Cat is. I, I also don't know. I don't know what a Wiley Cat is, especially nope. if it's one word. But I certainly don't know what a Willie Cat sure. is. <laughs> I only know what a wild uh, Wiley Coyote is. Not a cat. Um, coyotes. I, I guess it could be a, a Wiley Coyote type of thing. I'm I'm googling why Willie Cat. It is two L, so you're right. It is Willie. He's not Wiley. Anything come up? Just pictures of, of this man. So yeah, it's it, pictures it's, of him. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna have to. I was hoping to see some strange animal I had never uh, discovered in my travels up here in Canada or elsewhere in the world. But regardless, Dan, you'll have to have him on the Top Turtle podcast and find out what the nickname means because that's always what you like to ask your your um, guests on your podcast. So um, let me tell you about this gentleman. He's eight and one. Half of them. Half of those eights would equal four. That would be the number of knockouts. Four knockouts, one submission, never been finished in a fight, so he lost one decision in his career. This is his UFC debut after much – he had a lot of fights fall out. What, three fights? Maybe four? So he's not fought since December of 2019, dude, all these fights falling out. Um, he's won two straight fights, all via finish. Used to fight down at flyweight. Um, this is what Bantamweight it's said, right? He's six years younger than RSA plus 160. Julio RSA 17 and five, five knockouts, five submissions. So we got fives going on there. One knockout, one he's been knocked out once, submitted once in his career. He's four and three in the UFC. We got ourselves a pattern loss, win, loss, win, loss. So that's five straight fights. We've uh, gone back and forth. He lost his last fight via TKO. Now, the the pattern Dan is not doing as well as it was originally. We're we're, we're down to fifty percent for for the pattern coming through. So um, it, it is, may it end is, up. You're going to get a lot of data on this one because there are it's like true. seven fighters who are on one of those long patterns. Yep, yep. Uh, this stat may get thrown out soon, depending on on this weekend. We'll see how this weekend goes. If it's not, uh, if it stays around fifty percent, there's no real point. Um, all right, lost last fight via TKO. Like I said, he was one and zero in the contender series. He was a ring of combat champion in two weight classes, I believe. He used to fight at featherweight. Yeah, he was featherweight champion and bantamweight champion ring of combat. Um, so we, we got a former flyweight versus former featherweight in this fight. Um, despite that, he's only has, has three inches of reach on Santos, and they're the same height. So, um, so you would think he would have maybe maybe he's going to be a lot thicker come fight night, but um, you'd think he'd have a bigger weight advantage or size advantage, but he does not. Um, made his debut, pro debut in 2012, minus 195. First of all, what can you tell us about the Willie Cat, and what do you think about this fight? 
So Willie Cat is uh, an insane man in there. Um, he, oh, maybe yeah, that's what a Willie Cat is. He, he throws wild spinning shit, tons of flying stuff. Um, he, he's he's a slugger. Like he he just wants to go in there and and make it as wild as possible and as much of a brawl as possible. So, um, you know, some people really like him for that. He I've seen some spinning back kick, uh, liver shot KOs out of him or flying knees and like. I've seen a lot of things I like. Here's the thing I don't like, though. First of all, that he's fighting Julio Arce in his debut, coming off a two-year layoff, and in addition to coming off of a two-year layoff, coming off a two-year layoff where his first UFC bout is going to be off of that layoff. So it's not like he's coming off of a two-year layoff where he's already been in the UFC for a while. He's going to have the octagon jitters, the the ring rust, all that kind of stuff balled into one. And he's a guy who kind of – yeah, on a big pay-per-view. Big pay-per-view, lots of fans. So. Live crowd. And he's a guy who relies on timing, right? Like all those things I'm talking about, spinning back kiss, flying knees, all that kind of stuff. It wears your energy out, which is a problem when you've had a lot of time out of the cage. And it relies on timing, which is a problem when you've been out of the cage for a really long time. And he's fighting a guy in Julio Arce who has an expert one-two punch combo. Like he throws a one-two just about as good as any bantamweight or featherweight in the world. Like, it is very sharp. It's very well put together. And granted, he doesn't pair it together with other things like other fighters do. But, like, when he decides to throw the crisp, clear combo that is just tried and true, he throws it. Which means I think he's going to avoid the really flashy stuff. He's going to keep it super basic. Um, and I'm going to go with Julio Arce here. As am I. Arce is the pick. Yeah, this is uh... – bit of an ask for a guy on his debut with like you say you would assume a bunch of running rust on him so yes Arce is a pick I should pull up my stats for fighters with a year off okay fighters who have been out of the cage for a year or more 48 percent winning percentage um and this year it's at 46 percent so right around just just below 50 percent still for that so not a huge thing but yeah I think I think this is a this is a different situation. The, his uh, ring rust is not the only thing going against him. It's the it's his being his debut, and yeah, you don't usually see guys fighting guys with seven UFC fights under the belts on their debut. So Arce is the pick here. Um, very interesting fight coming up uh, next on the card: women's strawweight, Pierre Rodriguez versus Kay Hansen. Um, Rodriguez is La Fiera. Do you know what that means, Dan? The Force. Uh, the beast. Hmm. Okay. But may, maybe for us, you, I, we don't speak Spanish up here, so you, <laughs> you probably know better than I do. So I think um, it's, I think fuera is force. So I might have okay. just been barely off. Barely, like usual. Um, Kay Hansen, no nickname. Uh, let's tell you about Hansen first. Seven and five, two knockouts, four submissions. So she is a finisher in her wins, all of them but one. She's only been finished once in her career. She got knocked out or TKO'd once. She's one and two in the UFC. She won her debut, lost two straight. She was five and three in Invicta. So um, young fighter, but almost all of her all of her fights except one have been basically in the big time, either Invicta or UFC. Used to fight at flyweight. Actually, her last fight was at flyweight. Now she's down at strawweight. Um, she was one and four as a pro boxer. She's seven years younger than Rodriguez. More active striker based on uh, just one fight Rodriguez has had uh, within the UFC confines in contendership. So a uh, small sample size there. Uh, plus 104. Um, Rodriguez, 7-0 and with five knockouts. This will be her debut. She got in, as I said, from the contendership where she won her fight. She was the, formerly the LFA champ. She also used to fight up at flyweight. Inch taller than Hanson, minus 125. 
Uh, I think Rodriguez is pretty good. I'm, I'm going to pick you here. I'm, I was big on Hanson, but yeah, it's uh, things don't seem to be clicking uh, right for her. And I don't know if the drop for to fly strawweight is going to be the best for her. She's talked about having uh, eating disorder and struggling with that. So I don't know if cutting weight is going to help her here at all. Um, but yeah, she, she seemed undersized at flyweight also, so she may be maybe a tweener, who knows? But I, I just think Rodriguez is is a better fighter here, and obviously uh, way more power, five knockouts in just seven pro fights. So I'm going to go with the newcomer here, minus one twenty-five. Yeah, and I think she's cleaner on the feet too, because I'm going to take Rodriguez yeah. for that same reason. And and here's the problem: is that like Kay has always kind of relied on being able to body your opponents in order to to you know kind of bully her way to wins when she's yep. struggling on the feet. And I don't know necessarily that that works against Pieta, who who is pretty strong and does a pretty good job of stuffing takedowns. I don't love Pieta Rodriguez's uh, takedowns herself. Like, I don't think she's going to take Kay Hansen down, although I think she might try, which is probably not the best idea on her part. Um, but, but even if I'm just saying here that I don't think either of them has great offensive ability with the takedown, the fact that both of them are good enough defensively to keep this on the feet – I think it really favors Rodriguez. I think she probably just peppers Kay Hansen. Now, if you listen to the the top turtle MMA or the the prelim primer rather this week, my co-host uh, Lucas Grantsire actually brought up a really good point, and I'm curious if you got a guess about this. And if a listener has an answer, I'd love to hear it. If Kay Hansen loses this fight, this will be three in a row for her, which is pretty bad. But not only is it three in a row for her, it's three in a row for her all against debuting opponents. Uh, right, do you yeah, think yeah, that that's said, the only? Do you think that's the only time that's ever happened? Oh, hard to say. Um, three, yeah, three losses in a row is rare to begin with, um, unless. And she was not that. on her debut for any of them, so it's yeah. three debuting opponents when you yourself is are a veteran. That's very good. Two of you, we we should have a uh, stats uh, department, Dan, that, that looks these things up for us. But we're somebody somebody here. in the Slack channel, get at us, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yeah, that's v- very interesting. Um, yeah, I like your answer, but it, yeah, things just don't seem to be clicking for her here. I don't know if going back to Invicta would be the answer for her to straighten things out or what. But it, yeah, it's um, worked for it's worked for women like Angela Hill. You know, like she yep. went back to Invicta, won a title, and and figured things out in the process. So yeah, maybe that is the answer for her. Yep, maybe Invicta's got to start running more events. Um, they, they are very sporadic at this point. So, but this isn't an, an Invicta podcast, anyhow. At least it isn't now. If uh, if they do want to pay us, then by all means, we'll we'll uh, we'll do an Invicta podcast for sure. Um, so get at us. Um, middleweights, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. I'll mention his nickname right now. What a great nickname for a fighter. Um, do you know the? Is there a story behind that? You do know. You do have I, a story behind. That. I do. He was he was really fat for a long time in his life. So he was fluffy, you would say. <laughs> yeah, he was fluffy. Uh, so loose, chunky. He, he also said he looked when he was fat. Uh, he looked a little bit like the comedian Gabriel Iglesias. Oh, okay. Uh, which, go. which, who he's got like a special called "I'm not big, I'm fluffy" or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's fighting. What's this guy's first name? Josh, isn't it? Josh Fremd, um, who's making his debut on short notice. Always a recipe for disaster, unless your name is that uh, Terrence McKinney character. But um, normally, uh, it's debut on a short notice, not a good thing. Uh, let's tell you about Fremd. Nine and two, four knockouts, three submissions. He's only, he's been finished once via knockout. Uh, he's won two straight fights. His last one via submission. He's got four inches of height on Hernandez, two inches of reach, plus 155. 
Uh, Fluffy, 8-2 and two with one no contest, one knockout, six submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted once, so all of his losses have come via finish. And he's finished every fight except one, so you may have a prop bet here. Um, two and two in the UFC, we got a pattern. Loss, win, loss, win for him. Um, his last win was February of 2021, which he won via submission. Um, he won, he got his way in via the Contender Series, but that's been changed to a no contest. Is that a weed thing? I think it's probably a weed thing. Um, so that got changed. He was the LFA champ as well in the past. Uh, minus 190 for Fluffy. Is it? Is it my turn or your turn? This is this is where you talk. Yeah, I, I, I picked Rodriguez for plus. Oh, okay, you did pick Rodriguez. I thought it was your turn. I was waiting for no, you to make. No, that's fine. You're no, being so, polite. That's fine. I, I'm gonna take Josh Fremd in this fight. <laughs> what? Yeah, Tell like, me about him. I mean, for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's huge. He's like a big freaking dude. Uh, he's six foot four at middleweight. Right. Um, he's really freaking strong. I actually like his entries into takedowns a lot. Um, and, and the other thing about Anthony Hernandez that I think we have to remember is a lot of us lauded him for his win over Rodolfo Vieta and were like, oh, man, look at how good he was. I mean, he beat Rodolfo Vieta because Vieta, uh, like, nearly killed himself, like, trying to put Hernandez away because he had yeah. Hernandez in a lot of bad positions. And I think Fremd has the ability to use takedowns to get Hernandez to those same positions. And granted, I don't think he's a jiu-jitsu specialist like Rodolfo is, but... I do think he has got a way better gas tank and a way better ability to keep it, uh, you know, keep those positions and to keep getting back to him. In addition to that, if this does keep the feet, he has got some really great range. He uses that really great range. And I don't know if you've seen some of his knockouts, dude. His knockouts, some of them, they're absolutely insane, some of the knockouts he's gotten. Um, I'm trying to remember. I believe it was when he knocked out Bruno Oliveira that I'm remembering um, from LFA where it looked like he just threw like kind of like a, a feeling him out hook and in absolutely put Oliveira clean out. So yeah, like I'm super high on Fremd. You know, the only loss he has since uh since two thousand and eighteen, so in the last four plus years, was to Gregory Rodriguez, which like I certainly no shame Hobo in cop. the Hobocop. So like he is while a guy who hasn't gotten a shot yet, I think he he's a guy everybody should be looking out for. Friend is very exciting. All right, there you go. Uh, I'm still betting against him, but I won't make this one a lock. Um, regardless, I'm taking Hernandez, but um, the short notice thing is the main thing. Plus, well, I don't know a lot about Friend. I do now, but uh, short notice fighter, 38% winning percentage this year, 30% winning percentage. So, um I'm going to say uh, fluffy, but you made, you made a very good case there. A very thank, good case. Th- thank you. Thank you. All right. Main event Main event time. Other early prelims. Um, heavyweights. Alexi Olianik versus Jared Vandera. Olianik is the ball constrictor. Vandera has no nickname. Um, all right. Vandera, 12 and 7. Seven knockouts. Three submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted twice. Make that submitted three times after Saturday, huh? Uh, he's won one, <laughs> one of his four UFC fights. So he's one in three in the UFC. He's lost two straight. He won his way in via the Contender Series, where he's 1-0. He was regional champ. He is taking this fight on short notice, as mentioned off the top. Um, based on the last weigh-ins, he was 37 pounds heavier than Olenek. Um, he's also two inches taller and 15 years younger. Uh, he's the more active striker of the two men as well. This is a pick fight, minus 110. Uh, the ball constrictor, 59-16-1, eight knockouts, 46 submissions. You've heard all this before because we broke him down a couple weeks ago uh, for his 
his fight that got canceled. He's been knocked out nine times, submitted twice, eight and seven in the UFC. He's lost three straight. He's won two of his last five. He's one one in Bellator. He has multiple regional championships on his mantle. 1996 debut when Dan was – no, Dan, we decided Dan wasn't even in Little League yet, right? You were too young for it still. Crazy. In 96? In 96, yeah, I would have been yeah. too young for Little League. Yep. Striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor, minus 110. I'm going with Olenek here. Uh, yes, Barabas. we brought you to the yes. dark side. <laughs> well, hey, I, I've always liked the guy. I just didn't think he was going to beat uh, Latifi. He is going to beat Bandera, though, because um, – yeah, Vendera is not impressed at all since he's been in the UFC. And taking this in short notice, which I just gave you the stats on, plus he's been submitted uh, multiple times. And, um, yeah, like I said, he's just – I don't think he poses too much of a threat for Olenek. So the old man is my pick. Here's a hot take. Uh, I'm, right. First of all, I'm going to take Olenek. I'll side with you, and I'll kill the, uh, oh, the excitement there. So, But I, I am going to go with Olenek. I actually think Jared Vandera is a worse matchup for Alexi Olenek than Alir Latifi was. Um, while the line is closer, and like you pointed out, Vandera has tapped out a few times, I actually think his length poses some real weird issues for Olenek if he can't get inside. Whereas like Latifi, that dude is like a, he, it's like fighting a fire hydrant. Like he has to get inside. He doesn't have an option. And like, that's where the danger is with Olenek. I still think Olenek's going to win and get the submission, but I do think Vandera is, like, a weirder, tougher task for Olenek, and I don't like that the, the odds got worse for me because I was going to take yeah. Olenek versus Latifi. Now I'm taking him in a tougher matchup, and I lost uh, uh, a little bit on the odds. So, of course, I'm taking Alexi Olenek to pick up his 60th win here, but, uh, yeah, like, I think there's some weird style things there that at least make me not want to jump all over this line. A worse opponent, but a worse matchup as well, as he said. So, All right, so that wraps up the early prelims. We're going to move on to the proper prelims. But first, Coors Light, they are back. They are back. Do you ever feel like you're always on? We're always on here at the, uh, the MMA Gambling Podcast, always on. Uh, work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill mountain cold refreshment made to chill Coors Light is cold lagered cold filtered and cold packaged it's literally made to chill it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies which neither of us have been to because Dan said he's never been west of Mississippi and I haven't been to Colorado correct that yeah that's correct I've never been All right well we'll, ha- we'll have to take the word for it that it's literally made to chill it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies not the hockey team. Perfect for a moment to unwind. When I need to make, take a second for myself, I reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash SGP. That's CoorsLight.com slash SGP. And remember to always celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company at Golden, Colorado. IP Vanish. After you make those Coors Light vanish, then you can use IP Vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. So we um, 
we discovered that you could be at the Twin Rivers Casino and no one would know it. So IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick. When you're streaming media, whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like you do nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. Go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H dot com slash SGP. All right. Did you see that this um, Stanford Pentagon um, tweeted out our uh, last episode, Dan? So they obviously are listening. And they did, knew we talked they, about them. Did they really? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yes, I, I, yes, no joke. I, I did not catch that. Yeah. I will make sure. And if uh, whoever... Uh, is in charge of the Stanford Pentagon. Uh, uh, whoever's in charge of that website with Twitter account, whoever's in charge of that is listening again today. Shout out to you again. Give us another shout wow. out. Thanks, man. That was a really butchered shout out. I yeah. think social media manager, maybe, is what you were trying to say. Yeah, something like that. I mean, like <laughs> it, uh, people have a number of jobs and doing uh, many things. It's true. Um, <laughs> But um, I guess luck, lucky for us, no mention uh, on Twitter from Twin Cities Casino. So Twin Rivers. Twin Casino, Rivers. So. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they're not fans, or maybe they yeah. did listen. That's why we haven't heard from them. <laughs> All right, the Kurt Jerker of the prelims on ESPN at 8 p.m. Eastern. Mickey Gall versus Mike Malott in a welterweight fight. Pro- Mike Proper Malott. He is a Canadian as well. It's not the Mike Malott that I went to school with and was the football star in university. No, this is a different Mike Malott. Um, let's say about Mickey Gall first. 7-4 with six submissions. He's been knocked out once. He's 6-4 and four in the UFC. Okay, here's, here's a pattern for you. Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Seven straight fights for this man, and he did lose his last fight. He's got inter height, inter reach on Malott, um, plus 166. Mike Proper Malat, 7-1-1, three knockouts, four submissions, so he's finished all of his opponents, and he's been finished in his only loss was a knockout. This is his debut after winning on the Contender Series. He's won three straight fights, all via finish, obviously. Uh, he has one draw in his Bellator fight. He was 0-1 World Series of Fighting. Made his debut back in 2011, so he's finally making his UFC debut, of, what, 11 years in. Uh, more active striker just based off of the one fight he had uh, in the Contender Series, minus 200. Over to you. I'm going to go with Malat here. Um, when when I originally looked at it, I was thinking maybe Gall uh, on an upset pick. But the more and more I think about it, Michael Lott has got good jujitsu, And I think that is a big, important piece of, of just being safe when you're grappling with uh, Mickey Gall. And as long as he's safe there, I think he's a way better striker. You know, you, you mentioned he's coming off of back-to-back wins, both by submission. Uh, rear naked choke over Solomon Renfro, which, by the way, despite being in CFFC, is a huge win. Solomon Renfro, very hot prospect. And he was actually, uh, Malat had almost not fought in four full years when he fought a, a hot prospect in Renfro. So to do that, incredible. Uh, and then he beat a really good prospect again, Shimon Smotritsky, uh, who was only like 20 years old on Contender Series. Again, submission in under a minute. Both of those, though, were set up with his hands. He's got a lot of power in his hands. He stung both guys and jumped on submissions. 
I actually think that, like, that's his path to victory here. As long as he's safe with Mickey Gall in any grappling exchanges that might occur, I think he's probably just going to knock Mickey Gall silly on the feet. Um, you know, like, Mickey Gall has shown improvement in his boxing, but definitely not uh, to the point where he's going to take a bunch of shots from Mike Mallott. No, Mallott is the pick. For sure. Has Gall really made that much improvement through 10 UFC fights? We haven't really seen, I, and he was a young guy. We haven't seen it massive improvements really right so i haven't seen so like if, if you look at it over 10 fights I, I think it's really hard to say like uh mickey gall has made a lot of improvement from where he started to now uh because then you you put it in the context of it's been 10 fights in a ton of years and you're like oh yeah maybe he hasn't changed all that much in in consideration but i do think if you just like isolated his last two or three fights the amount of change he's had in his boxing in that amount of time has actually been pretty good. Like, in the Jordan Williams fight he had, I thought his his jab looked really good in that fight. I thought he was he was putting combinations together quite well. And I was like, oh, this looks like an improved Mickey Gall. So, yeah, like, if, if you look in the grand scheme of things and you're, like, over 10 years and average it all out, yeah, it doesn't look like he's making big gains. But recently, I think he has, he has started to turn things around. Fair enough. Jordan Williams. This is a Jordan Williams podcast, I think, eh? Almost every I, episode. I, He's I not do, even in the UFC anymore. I do regularly mention uh, Jordan yep. Bombay Williams. Yes. Yep. He. It's it's weird. Some people come up often. He's one of the people. Um. All right. Women's bantamweight. Aspen Ladd versus Brickell Pennington. I don't know why is that bantamweight when, when both ladies have fought it featherweight. They may as well just fight it featherweight. But anyhow. Um. All right. Aspen Ladd. No nickname. Pennington famously is Rocky. Um. All right. We'll go with Ladd first. Nine and two. Six knockouts. One submission. She's been knocked out once in her career. She's 4-2 in the UFC. Uh, she's gone loss-win-loss over her last three. She was 5-0 and in Invicta, so she was very highly touted when she came into the UFC. She used to fight, like I said, at featherweight. She also used to fight at flyweight. She has had – she missed, officially missed weight once or twice. She officially missed weight once. And then did she have to pull out of a fight, too, at the last minute? I think she has. So anyhow, she's had plenty of weight issues. Um, seven years younger than Pennington. Grappling stats in her favor, plus 160. Pennington, 13 and 8, one knockout, four submissions. She's been knocked out once, submitted once. She's 10 and 5 in the UFC. She's won three straight and four of five. Um, she won via submission her last fight. She was in the Ultimate Fighter, where she went 2 and 1. She's, like I said, she's to fight at Featherweight. She was 1 and 2 in Evicta. She was a regional champ. She's taking this on short notice. She got an inch of height, inch of reach on Ladd. Striking stats in her favor, minus 195. Uh, I'm going to go against the short notice thing. I'm shocking. Um, surprising myself that I'm picking against Aspen Lab, but that, that's where we've gotten with her. Um, you don't really know what you're going to get with her uh, mentally. And yeah, I think Pennington is uh, like a wise man said in one of his other podca- podcasts, she's uh, physically strong enough to keep Lad off of her and she's definitely better on the feet. So uh, Pennington's the pick. I'm not so sure about uh, a, almost a minus 200 line on this, but, but she's my pick to win it. I think the interesting thing about this is just how bad of a matchup she is for Aspen Ladd, right? Like, you know, you mentioned she's physically strong, and that's generally what Aspen Ladd goes to when she's having trouble getting done what she needs to get done. So I kind of see that being what happens here is that she has a lot of trouble with what she wants to do. She has to go to the wrestling. That's not going to work against Pennington. Pennington's also got great subs, worth mentioning. Like, she's really good at submitting people, so... You know, I think we're probably going to see a little bit of that, too. So, uh, yeah, ultimately, I am just not in on Aspen Ladd here. And all of this breakdown is contingent upon whether or not she comes out super tentative or not. Because she comes out super tentative, she's in an even worse spot, in my opinion. So, 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going with with Raquel Pennington here. It's sad how Lad has uh, fallen so much in our, at least in our eyes. Like she was one of the one of the possible future champs, eh? Basically. Yeah, I, I I think a lot of people had her pegged as a future champ, and and you know what? Too, I will say. This pick isn't completely detracting from her, in my opinion. Like, part of what I'm saying here is just that, like, of all of the people you could have paired her with, Raquel Pennington's one of the worst ones you could have paired her with. It's just a really tough matchup for her um, in the the fact that, you know, Raquel Pennington is big and strong and physical and fights like a gritty style of fight against somebody who just came out and looked more tentative than just about anybody on the planet has ever looked. So, yeah, I mean, like... Some of it is that. Some of it is, uh, you know, she is looking a little bit more washed. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I do really like Pennington in this fight. Yeah. If, like, two years ago, if this fight was happening, there's no way we'd be picking uh, Pennington over Lab, would there be? Um, I don't think so. But also, <laughs> also was, two, was Pennington two years ago in a title fight? Am I wrong? Yeah, possibly, uh, yeah. She fought for the title. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm. I fucked up. It was four years ago. Oh, still close. But yeah, no. She she's looked. She, she's turned things around as of late. Three straight, four of five. Oh yeah, I forgot. This is the the power couples card. Um, yeah. Her fiance is in the in the uh, in the main portion of the card. So we'll get to her in a uh, few minutes. All right, moving on to another one of our chunky guy fights. We already had. Yeah, this is this is pretty good for chunky guys. Uh, this is our second chunky guy fight. Jarzinho Rosenstrike who famously uh, has a, what, a big doink? Is, is that what, uh, badoinka-doink? Is that, is that what the missus said he had? It was something like my, that, Dan. My, my wife said she, he had a big donk, I believe. Donk, whoa. Well, she, she uh, apparently she knows. Uh, I don't know that. Um, fighting Marcin Tybura. Um, all right, what can I tell you about? Tybura's Tybur and Rosenstrike is biggie boy. Um, let's tell you about Tybura first. 22 and 7. Nine knockouts, six submissions. He's been knocked out four times. He's nine and six in the UFC. Uh, however, he's won. Uh, yeah, this this is uh, it's Tybura and Pennington who have really turned things around. Uh, veterans turned things around as of late. He's won uh, five of his last six. He did lose the last fight, but he won five straight before that. He was the M1 champion before going to the UFC. Made his debut in 2011. Uh, he's an inch taller than Rosenstrike. Striking and active striking stats in his favor. Grappling stats in his favor, plus 128. Uh, Biggie Boy, 12 and 3, 11 knockouts. He's been knocked out once. He's 6 and 3 in the UFC. Uh, we got a pattern loss, win, loss, win, loss. So it's five straight fights where he's um, swapped losses and wins. The last fight was a loss. He was a kickboxing champion. He made his debut in 2012. Uh, based on the last weigh ins, he was about 8 pounds heavier than Ty Burra, so pretty much a wash there. Three years younger, minus 155. You're up this time, I believe, right? I'm going to take the dog here in Marcin Tybura. Um, you know, like, I, I again, I, I don't want to write off Jair Rosenstrike as being washed, but I have a lot of the same problems with him as I do with with Aspen Ladd. Is he can get really tentative on his feet. I, I think he has sort of fallen back in some of his fights on the fact that he can knock anybody out at any time. And that hasn't necessarily gone well for him. And... When we saw him up against Curtis Blades, he showed a real wrestling deficit, which, I, I granted, everybody does against Curtis Blades. But I think it's bad enough that I, I think Martin Tybura can either uh, tap into that or just lean against him enough on the cage so that it, he, a lot of his, his work in this fight will be labored. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Tybura is in a good position to do that kind of stuff. 
Ty Burr is my pick as well. I'm going with the dog too. Um, pretty much the same reasons. Uh, he can, I think he can grind this one out. Um, yeah, and he's, uh, he's got an experience avoiding getting knocked out by, by big swingers. Only been knocked out four times in 30, uh, this will be his 30th, uh, fight. So that's, that's impressive for a heavyweight. So yeah, I, I think he's a very good underdog pick here. Um, yeah, like like you said, he he can make this one dirty, grind it out, and uh, it's not like Rosenstrike's been setting the world on fire as of late, anyhow. So let's roll the dice on the on the underdog. All right, that brings us to our main event of the prelims: welterweights Ian Gary versus Darian Weeks. Darian Weeks was on the Top Turtle MMA podcast this week, so keep that in mind when you're making your picks. Um, I'm trying to, who who else was on it? There was Vince from Hell Pushel. Right. Yeah, he's another uh, fun guy you have on your podcast. Always, he's, so. he's a very he's a very interesting character. He's a character for sure. All right, let's tell you about this one. Weeks, um, no nickname. Gary is the future, so I think he's still young enough that we can call him the future, and he's still undefeated. So uh, that nickname, uh, I, I will allow it to uh, to stand at this point. All right, Weeks, five and one, four knockouts, one submission. So all of his wins come via finish. He's never been finished himself in a fight. He's only won the UFC. He's 1-1 as a pro boxer. He's twice more active than Gary landing strikes, but Gary's only fought one. Well, they both only fought once in the UFC, so very small sample size. Grappling stats also in his favor. Once again, sample size plus 275. Uh, the future, Ian Gary, 5-0, five, five knockouts, one submission, 1-0 in the UFC via knockout. He was the Cage Warriors champion. Four inches height, two inches reach, four years younger. Striking stats in his favor, minus 350. Um, well, I would trust Weeks to cut my hair over Gary. Um, I'm going to take... Gary, um, with the pick here, I think he is a legit prospect here. Um, and he's another one of those guys we haven't seen his ceiling yet, I don't think. So I will take him in this fight. Yeah, I'm going to take Gary, too. Um, I, I think, first of all, you know, I really do like the output of uh, Darian Weeks. He, he really went at it in that Brian Barberina fight. He he went out, he threw 108 strikes, or landed 108 strikes, rather. He absolutely put on a performance. And at the end of the day, it wasn't enough, right? Like, he he, he wasn't able to, um, he wasn't able to secure the win, but also he ate 118 punches. And at the end of the day, that's what gives me worry against somebody like Ian Gary, is that he just simply can't take that many punches against Ian Gary. He hits too hard. And Ian Gary will put him away. So yeah, I'm I'm also with you on this one. I'm going to take Ian Gary. The UFC must have some kind of issue with Weeks. Is it is Dana White really not supposed to be bald? And then he, he went to get his haircut by Weeks, and that's what happened. <laughs> because it, it, they they're not doing them any favors here. I think they're really high on him. To be honest with you, like I, I think he is the the type of opponent you put against a Brian Barberena on short notice or an Ian Gary, just because like he. His record says five and one, right? Which isn't super impressive. But have you seen his his Amy record? He's fought like fucking twenty times. Like he has one of those crazy amateur records where he fought at IMMAF Worlds, which means he he took like seven fights in a weekend or something like that. And then he backed it up by going again. Uh, he went to Oceanic Championships to qualify one time. Like the dude just keeps kept fighting on the amateur level, so he's really experienced for a guy who's five and one. So I think. The UFC knows he's like a nice litmus test, and Ian Gary kind of needs that because he didn't look great last time out against, get this, Jordan Williams. <laughs> oh, wow. It all comes back to Jordan Williams. Um, yeah, they, they might like Weeks, but they don't like him enough to give him a chance to ever 
get his uh, win bonus. He's, he's still getting 12, 12 grand per fight because he's going to lose this one too, according to us. So, um, do you understand? I mean, the future is fighting a barber. Did you? I just ah, yes, your favorite. Because about the, Macy Barber connection again too. Your wow. favorite reference, Macy Our, the future barber, the future hairstylist. It, it is. It is way better to imagine that her nickname is Future Barber. Yeah, that was that was a great episode, everyone. Yeah, go yeah, back go, to the archives. Go back and listen. One. Go back and listen to our entire archives. Exactly. <laughs> um, and listen to Top Turtles because during weeks, good interview. Plus, he was uh, working in his barbershop cutting someone's hair while Dan was interviewing. Him. Yeah, which was which is a wild revelation because he's he's doing a it's a great interview and he told me about halfway through and it was uh, yes. very very fun to find out. He was like. Vidalia, where is he from? Vidalia, Georgia, or something like that. God, I think I looked up his place. It's, I can't. It's called uh, the Weekly Haircut, I think. Oh, I, like I yeah. see. I see what he did yeah. there. Exactly. <laughs> so anyhow, good guy. But we're regardless, we're picking him to lose. Sorry. Again, uh, how good do you think Ian Gary is? I guess we can talk more about this on Sunday after the fight. But you think he's legit? No, I don't. Oh. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I'm not sold on the hype. Like, you don't get hit that much by Jordan Williams uh, and let me stay high on you. Um, yeah, like, I, I just think he's got a lot of things to work out. And uh, the confidence level is I, – I don't want to – I'm not one of those guys who's like, uh, he's overconfident and I don't like him. Um, but I, I think it's alarming for his progress. I, I think it is going to ultimately hinder how much he grows. So, um yeah, I, I I'm I'm lower on it than a lot of other prospects they've hyped up that much. Um, I will say I'm higher on him than I am Patty Pimblett. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Is he a future barber? Perhaps then he might possibly be a future barber. Oh yeah. boy! All right, that's the prelims. We're not done yet though. We got our big pay per view portion of the card coming up first. Our last two sponsors, and we'll do it add and stop free. We'll rip right through the main card. All right, Stable Duel. There are never enough things to gamble on, and the one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. Best part is, now there is a new way to play the ponies, especially if you are brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, a daily fantasy-style app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play amongst, sorry, against others to move up the leaderboard. Win as much as $40,000 with one, one entry. Don't know anything about horses? Not to worry, the app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy. The app is free to download at StableDoto.com. Multiple games are offered each day with free games weekly at tracks all over the United States. Get in the app, create your account, and start building your stables today. Invite your friends to play against you or against our stables. You can even follow them in the app. We can compare our own stats. Download now at StableDoodle.com to see how many winners you can pick in your stable. See in the winner's circle, play, race, win. And we're brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. Masters Week is here, and if you haven't used PropSwap to go for the green, then you are missing out. PropSwap is the only app that, off, that allows you to pick your favorite golfers and then sell your bets whenever you want. Many PropSwappers make thousands of dollars just by buying and selling their golfers all tournament long. This allows you to win over and over without your golfer ever touching the green jacket. Go to PropSwap.com or download the free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best, best value, a free activity fee to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale. A loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and ProSwap will match your deposit $500. Join the real sports bettors on ProSwap where America buys and sells sports bets. All right, main card time. The aforementioned 
Vince from Hal Pachal is leading things off at lightweight against Mark O. Madsen, the O stands for the Olympian. But Pachal is not impressed by that. Um, all right, the Olympian, 11-0. Three knockouts, three submissions, 3-0 in the UFC. He's an Olympic silver medalist in wrestling. Uh, he's two years younger than Pachal. Striking and active striking stats in his favor, plus 112. Pachal, 14-2, eight knockouts. One knockout, one submission. Uh, he's been knocked out once, excuse me, and submitted once. So both of his losses have come via finish. He is uh, 7-2 in the UFC. He's won three straight and seven of eight. He's another late career, or he, he's, he's older, maybe not late career, but older guy who is on a tear right now. Um, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Everything comes back to that, of course, where he went 3-1. and one. Made his pro debut in 2009. He's got – so this is late in his career. Excuse me. He's two inches taller than Madsen, minus 135. Is it me? I, think I believe it's, it's yes. you because I think Mike Malat. I think I'm going to go against you. I, I'm thinking you're picking Pichelle, not positive. I'm, I'm taking the Olympian. I'm counting on that wrestling to come through, uh, as it has 11 times already in the past. Um, I don't think Pichelle can keep him off him. He's not a good enough uh, grappler. So Madsen is my pick. At Underdog Money. Thank you. And I think you don't understand me well enough because I'm also going Mark Madsen. All right. Um, no, I, I just thought I heard you say Pichelle at some point, but you must not have. So no, I'm going to go with Mark Madsen. I, look, I, this one was probably one of the harder ones for me to call because I think Vince Pichelle has made some real gains. And, and I'm not entirely sold on Mark Madsen as a grappler in this division. Um, yeah. You know, for the record, he, he was a Greco-Roman uh, wrestling silver medalist, right. which is different than freestyle in yeah. that – you know, it, it's less double legs and getting in on the legs and stuff like that and more upper body clinches, which I, I don't know if it plays better or worse in MMA, but it, it plays different, um, which has made it so that I haven't been completely convinced in what he does so far. Um, but with that being said, Vince Pichel's only two losses are to dudes who wrestle well. You know, he, he lost to Gregor Gillespie. In fact, he got manhandled by Gregor Gillespie. Um, and then he, he got beat up a long time ago by Rustam Kabilov. So, like... It seems like there's a wrestling weakness there, and yes, he seems to be getting better as as he ages. But he is also there is also going to be a limit to how good he gets at 39 or however old he is. Whereas I think Madsen is in kind of his stride, and he's a bad matchup for him. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Madsen too. I wouldn't say I'm like thrilled about this pick. Uh, I've wavered a little bit back and forth, but I am gonna go with Madsen. Got to be happy with the plus money though, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, and that's that's the other thing that really swung me to him is that like. I think when you have a guy who's only lost twice and both those losses are to wrestlers and you're going to pair him with a wrestler and give that wrestler plus money, yeah, yeah. I, I think you got to kind of play there. We're obviously missing something here, Dan. I don't know what it is, but maybe we're missing something. Um, next fight, another one that's pretty much a pick on the board, and then going forward, the rest of the fights are very lopsided on the on the uh, books. All right, women's strawweight, Mackenzie Duran versus Tisha Torres, the other half of the Pennington-Torres combo. Um, she is a tiny tornado or double T, you can call her also. Um, she is the slight underdog here. Um, let me tell you about her first. 13 and 5, one knockout, one submission, never finished in the fight. So, probably if you're going to pick Torres, uh, even though minus 195, 105 is a good number, you may want to pick her via decision because pretty much all her fights go to decision. Um, 9 and 5 in the UFC, she won three straight fights. Um, before that, she lost four straight. So, she's the other one I was thinking of. So, it's been Torres, Pennington. Tybura, Pichel, there's a lot of people late in their careers or later in their careers that are on runs right now. Um, so, yeah, so she lost four straight, then she's turned things around completely, won three straight. She was one and two on the Ultra Fighter, 
because it all comes back to that. Uh, 4-0 and in Invicta. She made her debut in 2012. Striking stats in her favor. Um, she's but one and a half times more active landing strikes than Dern as well. Plus, surprisingly, grappling stats are in her favor because Mackenzie Dern is not a doesn't put up the stats for grappling to say the to say the least. Um, does not put up very good wrestling stats. Uh, minus 105 on Torres. Dern 11 and two with seven submissions. Never been finished in a fight. Six and two in the UFC. She's won four straight. Uh, sorry, she won four straight and then lost her last fight. So she went four and one over her last five. She's had weight issues in the past, but that seems to have been corrected now. Um, knock on wood. She used to fight at flyweight. She is, I have written down here that she's a grappling champ, but that's the understatement of the century. She's, <laughs> she is uh, the, the queen of grappling. Um, three inches taller than Torres, because everyone's at least three inches taller than Torres. Three inches of reach on Torres as well. Uh, four years younger than her. And minus 115. Um, your turn. Is it my turn? I, yeah, I oh, think yeah, I picked Madsen. You, you, pick you, you picked Matt. Yeah, that's right. You picked yeah. Madsen, and then I tailed. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Mackenzie Dern. Oh, you tailed. Uh, tailed, eh? I, <laughs> you admitted it. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to go with Mackenzie Dirt in this one. Um, look, I, I do really like Tisha Torres. I, I think her striking poses a lot of problems for Mackenzie Dern. But at the end of the day, I think Dern's going to get her down. Um, and, and really, ha- have we seen too much of Tisha Torres off of her back? Um, not really. Uh, and, and that alarms me. And, and what we've seen has not looked particularly good. Uh, and, and look, I, I think Mackenzie Dern has come a long way with her striking. She's come a long way with closing her distance. She's come a long way with getting in on the legs. And look, if you can get Marina Rodriguez down a couple of times, I think you're probably going to get Tisha Torres down a couple of times. And I think you're going to have more success there. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Dern here. No, I am not. I'm taking Torres. I don't think she's going to – well, she may get Torres down, but uh, that's not a guarantee. I think Torres is, is tough enough uh, to keep her off her, um, and she's – as Dern has improved with striking, it's true, but uh, I don't think she's improved enough. Um, Torres is a better and more active striker than she is, and um, she's on a, a very nice roll right now. So I'm going with uh, the slight underdog in Tisha Torres. So we're differing on at least one fight on the main card. Um, oh, I think we're in a different underdog. I, I, I just want to I just want to give you a quick little little insight into Tisha Torres's uh, takedown defense. So she was taken down twice by Angela Hill, twice by Brianna Van Buren, twice by Wei Li Zhang, once by Marina Rodriguez, who I didn't know shot takedowns, 10 times by Jessica Andrade, twice by Michelle Watterson. Uh, she got taken down by Beck Rawlings. Do you remember Beck Rawlings? Yeah. Took her down, took her down twice. Oh, uh, so she, she's much know, better now. Ah. I mean, I mean, she's she's the same person who got taken down by Brianna Van Buren twice. Uh, but and guess what? Yeah. All those people, all those people are better wrestlers than um, Mackenzie Dern. Ooh, ooh, no, <laughs> Angela Hill is not a better. Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pump your brakes real hard there. A better wrestler than Mackenzie Dern. Let's get that out of the way first. All right, I'm uh, I'm I'm sticking with Andy because I, I can't change now because I would look I would show uh, weakness, Dan. And I can't show weakness. So. <laughs> Torres is the You pick. showed weakness by saying that, that Angela Hill is a better wrestler than, than Mackenzie <laughs> Dern. That's the weakness yeah. she showed. <laughs> That's true. I threw, I threw some shade, um, as the children say. All right, here comes where Dan gets silly. A welterweights, Gilbert Burns <laughs> versus Hamzat Chimayev. Boars is uh, Chimayev, which nickname is Badger. It means Badger, which is basically perfect for him, inside and outside the cage. Um, and Dorino, 
is Burns' nickname, which translates to tiny tough guy, <laughs> which is very, very funny. Um, all right, Burns, 20 and four, six knockouts, eight submissions. He's been knocked out twice, uh, three times coming up soon. Uh, 13 and four in the UFC. He's won seven of his last eight. He did win his last fight. His only loss came to the champion in those eight fights. Um, that guy, that Kamaru guy, Usman, uh, he used to fight at – I have welterweight, but he's fighting what? He used to fight at lightweight, right? Correct, yeah. He fought at okay. mo- most of most – of, or all right. of the uh, Usman loss are at lightweight. Like he's only right. lost once at welterweight. Right, right. Made his debut in 2012. He is a grappling champion. Once again, another understatement, but uh, he's a very, very highly decorated grappling, grappler. Uh, plus 400. Uh, Chimaev, 10-0, six knockouts, four submissions. Everything's a finish for him. Four and only UFC. Used to fight at middleweight. He is a wrestling champ as well. Four inches of height on Burns, four inches of reach, eight years younger. Striking stats in his favor. He's almost land strikes, almost three times more active uh, landing strikes than Burns. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 550. All right, Dan, go ahead. Tell us why you're taking a plus 400 pick here. I'm taking Gilbert Burns, and I think there's loads of value on this line. Uh, you know, like, do I think this is clearly a Gilbert Burns pick? No, but I do think it is a lot closer to a coin flip than the odds would suggest. Like, I, I think this fight is pretty much a coin flip in that there are so many unanswered questions about Kamzat Chemaev. You, you can say what you want about how good his technique is. Look, it has looked good. But the bottom line is the best fighter he's ever fought is Lee Jingliang. And in that Lee Jingliang fight, he took him down within the first five seconds of the fight when Li Jingliang threw stupid hooks. Uh, and what is Li Jingliang known for? Getting taken down when he overextends himself on the feet. So, like, all we did was see him beat people in the way that they are most likely to be beat. He knocked out Gerald Mearshart. Guess what? Gerald Mearshart gets knocked out when he boxes people. It's just kind of a fact. So, uh, you know, look, I think that Kamzat Chmaev is the real deal. You want to sell me on the fact that he's still a, a champion at some point in time in his career? I'll buy that, too. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think this is far too big of a step up. He's going to be in there against a jiu-jitsu champion. We've never seen him with somebody who knows what they're doing on the mat. Like, literally never seen somebody in there with him uh, who knows what they're doing on the mat. I also think Burns can box. So I think Gilbert Burns is by far the better play here. All right, it's not happening. But uh, if you want to piss your money away on a lottery ticket, go right ahead. Um Jamal's bigger, stronger, hits harder, is an insane grappler. Do we and... know that he hits harder? Yes. Like, like objectively, objectively, let's just talk about this for a second. What makes you think he hits harder than Gilbert Burns? Like, the uh, fa- fact that he knocked out Gerald Mearshart? So, so did Sam Elvey. Sam Elvey knocked out Gerald Mearshart. Like, we're, we're using that as a, a gauge to say that he hits harder? There's plenty of one-touch knockouts on Gilbert Burns' side, too. He knocked Damian Myas at cold back in the day. And that, to me, is even more impressive because people don't knock out Damian Maya. Um, so I've seen him knock out dudes like Damian Maya, where I've seen Kamzat Shemaev knock out dudes who get knocked out. Okay. It only took him 10, uh, 10 fights to get as many knockouts as Burns has in 24, but okay. That's fine. You, yeah, that uh, happens you, when you fight cupcakes, dude. He, like, all right. it, like, all he's done is, happens. dude, he fought Reese McKee. He, he, fought, he fought Gerald Mearshart. He fought John Phillips. And, like, if you look at his regional record, with the exception of one fight, 
Actually, I take that back. With the exception of two fights, none of the guys had fought more than six times in their career. So it's not like his regional record is filled with killers either. He's just mostly fought people who are very easier, much easier matchups for him in the UFC. Okay. We, I disagree, Dan. You realize if, you realize if I'm right on this one. Uh, You'll be the only one right, but yes. You, you may also have to rename it the Dan Breeland Gambling Podcast. That's fine. <laughs> we we can do that. Um, so Dan is taking Gilbert Burns plus 400. How many plus 400 dogs have come through this year? Oh, zero. We've had how a many, plus 340. How many have I hit on this show? Three? <laughs> this would be the third plus one. Four. Yes, correct. We've had three, six fights, have come, <laughs> six fights this year have come through at plus 200 odds or higher. So uh, this would be fight number seven if it happens. All right. Um Main event, uh, not main event, co-main event, because Aljamain Sterling does not get to main event fight cards. We, we just got it. UFC Bantamweight Championship, Aljamain Sterling versus Pete Fiotor Yan. Oh, this is a, I forgot, this is a uh, unification fight, because Yan's the <laughs> interim, interim champion. Yan's nickname is No Mercy, which is fitting, and Sterling's Funk Master, which is also fitting. Um, all right, let's tell you, the ch- the proper champion is the is the big underdog here. Sterling, 20-3, two knockouts, eight submissions. He's been knocked out once, 12-3 and three in the UFC. He's won six straight fights. He won his last fight via disqualification back in March of 2021. <laughs> that got him the belt. He's multiple has multiple regional championships on his. Ito. Right. He used to fight at featherweight. Made his debut in 2011. He was a wrestling champion. He's got four inches of reach on Yan, plus 360. Uh, Yan, 16-2, seven knockouts, one submission. Never been finished in a fight. Eight and one in the UFC. He won his last fight to give him the interim title. He was ACB champ as well before. Uh, four years younger than Sterling. More active striker of the two, minus 475. Uh, Yan is the obvious choice here. Um, but yeah, the, Dan mentioned this on his uh, one of his other podcasts, but it's up in, uh, I mentioned on our podcast a while back, there's been a lot of revisionist history going on about, about these men, the, the these fighters' first meeting. Sterling was winning the fight on on the judges' scorecard. He outstruck uh, Yan. Um, so he, even though it looked like he was in dire straits at the end there, he technically was winning. Um, but Yan definitely um, was, uh, the fight definitely had, had taken the turn when Yan threw that ill-advised knee. So, and the strikes landed were definitely um, of, of a different scale. He, he may have had the, the quantity, but Yan definitely had, had the quality. So I don't see Yan losing this fight unless he's dumb again with uh, illegal strikes. So he is the pick. I, I am going to go with Yan too, but I just would say I'm not sure that I like this line. Uh, in fact, I really hate it because, you know, like, like you said, there's a lot of revisionist history around this fight. We also now know that Aljamain Sterling has had basically a year to pre- prepare for Piotr Jan. Um, he won a round of those three rounds, and in one judge's eye, he won both of the first two rounds. He was actually up 2-1 to one when the illegal knee landed. So, yeah, like, I think that fight is a lot closer. And if Elger went out 1-4-5, and five, he wins that fight, uh, which, you know, I don't think he was in line to, but... It's at least interesting to think about. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Piotr Jan, too, but I am a lot higher on Aljamain Sterling than a lot of people. Yep. True, true. All right, main event time. Featherweights Championship of the World. Alexander Volkanovsky. Alexander Volkov, I don't think he could cut to Featherweight. Um, So Volkanovsky, he's fighting Chan Sung Jung. You may know him as... Actually, no, he doesn't have a nickname anymore because I took it. Um, all right, let's tell you about the no nickname, Jung. 17-6, six, six knockouts, eight submissions. He's been knocked out himself three times. 
seven and three in the UFC. He's won three of his last four, including his last fight. He's 0-1 in title fights. Uh, he lost to Jose Aldo. He was 0-2 in World uh, WEC, Never Die, uh, before he made it to the, or moved into the UFC. Made his debut in 2007. He's 15-0 as a pro kickboxer. He's an inch taller and an inch of reach, has an inch of reach on Volkanovski. Grappling stats in his favor, plus 525. Alexander the Great Volkanovski, not a great nickname, definitely needs a new nickname. That's just the the placeholder nickname for anyone named Alex. Uh, he's 23 and one. He's got 11 knockouts, three submissions on his resume. He's been knocked out once in his career. That was in his what third, fourth fight, fourth fight. He's won 20 straight fights since then. Um, he's including those 20 straight wins were to, have been two successful title defenses of the featherweight championship in the UFC. He's 10 and 0 in the UFC. He's got multiple regional championships on his mantle. He used to fight at welterweight. Used to fight at lightweight. Made his debut in 2012. He was 1-0 as a pro boxer. He's a year younger. Striking stats in his favor, and he's one and a half or 1.6 times to be exact. More active landing strikes than Jung is. Minus 750. Over to you. Yeah, I'm, this one's an easy one. I'm taking Volkanovski. I think he's one of the best mixed martial artists in the world. Uh, if it's not yes, Usman, it's him. If it's, not two. Usman, if it's not Usman, yeah. it's him. Um, that's that's yep. the bottom line. And I also think he's an awful matchup for Korean Zombie, a guy who needs you to get in kind of a gnarly fight with him because Volkanovski is like the smartest dude on the planet. That's what makes him such a good fighter is he's got great game planning. He knows what he's doing and he doesn't take unnecessary risk. I was actually talking to somebody earlier today about whether or not I thought Volkanovski could get the finish. The answer is I know he could get the finish. Will he go for it? Probably not. He's probably going to win this pretty safely four rounds to one. Um, that's just the bottom line because he doesn't go for it. Uh, and I have no problem with it because he's great at what he does, and he wins this fight pretty easily. Correct. I agree with all of that. Volkanovski is the pick here. And, yeah, I think he's probably number two behind Usman, but maybe number one. There's uh, there's a – could be an argument made for him to be the best in the world. So I would, I would just ask this in that debate, and I've been thinking about it a lot too because I've been contemplating changing my official pound-for-pound pound rankings and putting Volk at, at number one after having him at two for a while. Do you find two wins over Max Holloway more impressive than two wins over Colby Covington? Or over um, Jorge Masvidal, yes. Jorge Ma- do, you, do you count a win, <laughs> yes. a, a win over Chad Mendes and Jose Aldo as being better than two over Jorge Masvidal and one over Gilbert Burns? Yes. Yeah, you yes, do. A win it, over it, Ortega, it, right? I, I do too, yeah. And, and that win over Ortega, do you put that above the win over Burns? Yeah, I probably do. So when, when you start to line up all the wins next to each other, Dude, like, you just keep putting checkboxes in Volkanovski's box. Um, yeah. It's crazy uh, at the end of the day. Like, I actually think he's number one pound for pound at the end of it. Well, maybe after this weekend he, he will be in, in all of our eyes. So, um, yeah, it's not that – he's fighting a dangerous guy, not a not, not the top um, top contender in the division, but um, nonetheless uh, he's fighting a dangerous guy none, um, at the end of the day. So, Hopefully it's another win for him because we are picking him to win. So, all right, that's it. 13 fights. Got it done. Uh, time for our recommended plays, which I always do on the fly. Do you have prepared recommended plays, Dan, or do you yeah, do I'll, it on the fly? Always, really? I always, I always prepare. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> always prepare. All right. Maybe I'll tag along. We'll see what you pick. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to take in the opening fight of the night. I'm going to take Julio Arce. I'll take 40 bucks on his money line, uh, mostly just because I, I think Willie Cat is – being overvalued because he's got some highlight real knockouts. And I think Arce just, you know, 
peppers him with with short straight punches right to the jaw. Okay, you got it. Arce minus forty bucks at minus one ninety five. Um, let me see. I'm going to take Alexei Olenek via submission. Uh, do you have the props in front of you? Yeah, I can get you Olenek by submission. Olenek by submission is going to get you plus 160. All right. I will take 20 bucks on that, please. All right. And I'm going to move to my next one, which is I'm going to take uh, 20 bucks on Josh Brem's money line. Oh, interesting. So what are we getting that for again? I told you it's a plus number, isn't it? Um, Plus 155. Nice. All right. I am not advising that pick, but I will put it in here nonetheless. Um, All right. Don't like that. Hmm. No. No. This is me going through the card. Um. I better start making some picks here. No. All right. Tisha Torres via decision. What what can I get for that on that? Tisha Torres on the cards. Tisha Torres wins by decision plus 140. 40, 20 bucks on that, please. Uh, all right. Um I'm going to take uh 20 bucks so that I've been 40 20. This is a Another 20, that'll bring me to 80 uh, on Mark Madsen's money line. All right, Madsen plus 112. Um, I'm going I'm to tell that one. Uh, Madsen, I'll take 20 bucks as well on that, please. All right. And then my last two ones I'm just going to put together at the end because they're big $10 bets uh, on Big Fat Odds. So I'm going to take $10 on, on the Gilbert Burns line uh, that you've been hating on. And uh, my other 10 bucks I'll put on Mike Malott by submission, which I'm getting at plus 350, which I think is uh, kind of a sleeper play. I think he tags him and bags him. Tags him and bags him. All right, plus 350. All right, I'm taking 40 bucks on Shemayev via finish. What can I get that? All right, hang on. I got to scroll down because best fight odds for some reason has this in like extra fights, which is. It's a really weird section, but uh, you you want him by any finish inside the distance? Yeah, inside the distance. Yeah, you get him at negative one eighty five. All right, I'll take it. Eighty bucks. Oh, sorry, forty right. bucks on that. Minus one eighty five. All right. So in conclusion, Gumby Vreeland forty bucks. Julio Arce money line twenty bucks. Josh Fremd money line twenty bucks. Mark Madsen money line ten bucks. Gilbert Burns money line ten bucks. Mike Malott via submission. Uh, me, Jeff Fox, 20 bucks, Alexi Olenek by sub, 20 bucks, Tisha Torres by decision, 20 bucks, Mark Madsen, Moneyline, 40 bucks, Chimaev inside the distance. The guy who doesn't like prop bets has got all prop bets except one. That's, that's a recipe for success right there. <laughs> sure. We'll wait. But hey, so far this year, we are both up a lot of money on our recommended place, so. Maybe it is a recipe for success. Who's to say? Do you have one of our big money, hungry jong, 10 to 1 parlays for everyone, Dan? I have got a 14 to 1 parlay for oh. you guys this week. And I'm kicking it back to the 13 to 1 one that hit earlier. And I'm just giving you two things to bet on. No uh, way. Hit, we're 14 to 1. So the first one I'm taking is Mike Mallott to win by submission. I mentioned it before. as one of my recommended 
plays plus 350. Uh, look, I, I think he's going to tag him with the hands. If you think that he goes for the sub afterwards, which he has in his last two fights, his only two fights in his last five years of competition, uh, then, then hey, that's the way he gets to finish. So I like Mike Mollot by submission. And the other one I'm going to go with is Mark Madsen by decision. Mark Madsen by decision is getting plus 240. You pair those together, it's actually a little over 14 to 1. There you go. 14 to 1. Wow. That would be the biggest hit. Yeah, and there's only two fights, too. That's, that's uh, stealing money, Dan. All right. That's it. That's it for the card. We put it to bed. Um, fairly long episode. I think we can put the episode to bed, too. Anything else we need to tell the people, Dan? Other I than my usual. It. Yeah, you, you can give uh, other than the usual, usual begging at the end, I do. Read my MMA site, MoneyMMA at Substack. Uh, sorry, MoneyMMA.substack.com. Um, Pick'em contest for UFC 273 is on there. You can win stuff for free and all the UFC payouts and all that. Fun stuff is on there as well as a bunch of articles and money and the gambling guides and everything too. So check that out. Check out our writing, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Baseball season starts tomorrow, um, Thursday. So we have all of our... All of our previews are on there, and Dan is doing a DFS for opening night. When are we going to get that posted, Dan? Tomorrow it morning, come out. tonight? It should come out. Lines. out. Either, either tonight or tomorrow morning. It is all all right. the salaries are set in the lineups already. I I even have the line Perfect. put together. I just got to do the little write-up for you. All right. So you can read that. You can read my uh, – if, if you want to do MMA, DFS, that will be up Friday. For the UFC, and I'll have my UFC prediction column out tomorrow. And we also obviously have every other sport. Um, known to man. So check out our stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and our podcast, SGPN uh, Network, Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Dan's podcast, we've plugged enough, but it's Top Turtle MMA and it's Prelim Primer. And you can follow him on Twitter at Gumby Vreeland and me at Jeff Fox Writer. And I think that is it. So I will bid you adieu till Sunday. We'll be back. Till then, I will remain the Korean zombie. Jeff Fox, he will remain Gumby Vreeland, and we will talk to you then. Bye.